Hey everyone, welcome to the Torque Message of the Week. We know you will be uplifted and equipped to go deeper in your relationship with Jesus through what is spoken. Please enjoy this message from Pastor Tony Cassis. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit torque.org. Now for the message. They're telling me to, that they're not quite ready yet. Are we ready to roll back there, guys? <clears throat> Give me the thumbs up when you're ready. Who am I talking to? The air? There's nobody there. All right, so um, waiting until they uh, do this uh, presentation in honour of Nanny Marg before I get into the word. But um, let me take the opportunity just to explain to you as a body uh, the calibre of leader that my, my wife is. And it's no, um, it's no mistake that she is the leader of this church. She's been carrying her son and daughter's sickness like a true mother does. Both of them are struggling with uh, immune system deficiencies affecting kidneys. Uh, Brooke was really getting bad. He had at one stage a 17% kidney functionality and his stomach was bloated with excessive fluid retention and his legs and then we had Christy who besides fighting the COVID um, hysteria in Sydney had to keep a full-time job and also um, recover from what they call vasculitis and all of these are related to autoimmune diseases which we have now found from a gastrointestinal specialist and professor that these symptoms are caused by a parasite and not autoimmune. This is a huge revelation that the Lord brought to and through Christy immediately after Dr. Robin asked the Lord to put her in contact with someone that will tell her the truth. Christy's former doctor was, I believe, self-centered and egotistical. She wanted to categorize her and use her as an experiment. And so that's the reason why pastor said to the Lord, I need her to be in contact with someone who would tell her the truth. And the miracle that happened that particular incident was Brooke, her brother, who was ill, very ill, had a friend who, was, who went to um, high school and college with this specialist and he asked his friend, could you ask this specialist to give her a call? Now, pastor is going to give you all the details. So if I get a couple of the little points off a bit, Please forgive me. Pastor, please forgive me. I don't remember everything. But this man who has a three-month waiting list just to see him called Christy one evening at 9.30 p.m. And he said to her, Christy, this is a very unusual thing for me. I'm only ringing you because of um, his name is Jeff and he's my friend and he knows your brother. And straight off the bat, he tells her, I am the son of pastors 
who pastored, who pastored a church in Los Angeles for many years. I don't know why I'm telling you this, but I thought I should tell you that straight off. And Christy goes, well, I'm the daughter of pastors in New York City. So they hit it off a bit. And then he told us straight, her condition is parasitically related. And he began to explain to her the type of medications that she needs to take. And it's basically an anti, all the anti-parasitical drugs, but especially ivermectin and doxycycline. And I'll mention your name. I don't know if we're allowed to, but it's no sin. And by the grace of God, she's feeling all that much better already. So... I'm telling you that because pastor's carrying this and she gets these little snippets of hope and God's glory as we go forward and then she's carrying our son and his family. He's going through a breakdown in his relationship with his wife and, and we're, we're helping him walk through that and I know he won't mind me telling you that because I know you'll pray. But pastor's carrying that and it's basically on her own because I haven't been as sensitive as God has wanted me to be. I'm just catching up now. On top of that, um, during the Christmas New Year break, uh, Pastor and I were praying and seeking the Lord and we both felt in the Lord to ask our landlord um, if he was going to be true to his promise to us and grant us a long-term lease in the house that we're now in. So I sent him an email and I told him, I said, look, would you please uh, consider a four-year lease term as we've discussed verbally uh, many times before since we've been in the apartment. Now, this, uh, this apartment that we're in is a real blessing, but the first week we were in there, we had to deal with issues. The air conditioning was leaking. We've had problems with rodents, uh, water leaks from the sewerage in the basement so that most of our clothes, pastor's clothes, were all covered in mould. And then we spent days cleaning that. And, and we, 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 we didn't know how to solve the problem until we found that it was the sewer that was leaking and keeping all the basement moist. And then we had, um, we had issues with uh, the electricity cutting off because they hadn't wired it right. The flooring wasn't right. All these issues, and I, I probably don't remember them all, but the latest one was we've had two major floodings. When, it, when it's poured down really heavily in New York, there's only one drain in our backyard, and if that gets clogged with leaves, it overflows into our boiler room in the basement. And at one stage, we were, we were pailing water out of the boiling room. And then we got through that, but then our hot water system for our showers wasn't working for four or five days because the, uh, the uh, flood had turned the gas off and it wouldn't turn back on again. And we, we actually were contemplating with the owner that he needed to replace the hot water system. So, you know, all of these hassles. And then on top of that, one of the tenants upstairs keeps complaining about the heat, which we're still trying to... Um, get him to, you know, man up a bit and <laughs> do like New Yorkers do. Anyway, um, and so he comes back with an email saying, Tony, uh, I know this is not what you want to hear, but I want to put my own family in your apartment 
at the end of the lease term. And now that hit us very hard. And that was in the first week of January. And Pastor didn't want any of you to know because you're all struggling with keeping your own jobs, some of you without work and so forth. And all this issue to do with, you know, the, the current crisis in New York and, and in Sydney to do with health. So we felt not to tell the church because we wanted to carry it and see what the Lord was going to do about it. And then on top of that, we had the breakout of sickness in every single household in the Sydney church. And so there were phone calls and phone calls and, you know, tr trying to get on a New York time frame and still be able to minister to Sydney. And so Pastor and I, at past, again, Pastor's Initiative, she said, Tony, sit with me. Sit with me while I call all those who are sick in the church. Um, and so we did. We sat down for a good two or three hours. We rang every household in the church. Every person got called except one. And again, I, I really missed it with that one. It was getting late. It was about 7 a.m. Pastor told me we should ring this family. I said, I still want to pray about some things, but I'm, I'm just too tired. And I went to bed. And the next, start, the next day, the, I was in the middle of work and one of these family members texted me and says, can you please pray for me? I'm really sick. And I was so convicted because that was the only family we didn't pray for. And that one fell on me. So I'm not making excuses. I've learned my lesson with that one. Anyway, um, you know, our brother and sister were very gracious to me. Pastor was very gracious to me. We got on the phone that evening and we, we gave our sister deliverance. She had difficulty breathing. It was really serious, guys. I mean, she was <gasps> like that. No wheezing, just laboring to breathe. And uh, I'll go into more detail about that after the word, maybe. But she's, she's okay. She's, she's off the borderline. She's getting the medication she needs. And by the grace of God, everyone in Sydney is on the mend. Everyone. All right? But I must pinpoint again. I got a text about my sister, and I don't mind naming her, Celeste Sell. She's one of the leaders of the Sydney church. She's our safe church um, minister, right? Celeste texted me saying, Pastor, I am really struggling breathing. I've rung my doctor and he's given me a prognosis and it is basically get to the hospital. You need, you're, you're, you're very ill and you need to get to the hospital. And so Pastor was asleep at the time and I, I ran up upstairs and I, I told Nate, I said, Nate, this is what I've got from Celeste and Graham. What do you think we should do? Because I don't know if I should make a decision or should we tell mum? And Nate said to me, Dad, we've got to tell mum because this is a life and death decision. So we woke up Dr. Robin and we got on the phone to Celeste and seriously pastor said to her, I will back whatever decision you make, it's your decision to make. 
But let me first see where your faith is at. All right? Now, this is my version. Again, pastor might come along and say, well, this is how I saw things or this is how it was. But the thing that amazed me was pastor was able to locate that Celeste breathing was not really laboursome at all. It was a panic attack. Because at one stage we were sitting there watching her. She's sitting up and breathing normally. But she had to confront her family on a few things because they wanted to rush her to the hospital. And she got really emotional. And that's when the breathing went laboring again. Because honestly, I was ready to say, Celeste, if you need to go to the hospital, go. But pastor was able to look through all of the fear and the panic that was going on and say, Susu, you're okay. Let's get a test to see whether you have what they think you have. So we got her to do the, um, the rapid antigen test. Came up negative. And then within half an hour, Pastor had already arranged for her to get the medication she needed to deal with whatever fluid was causing the, the lungs to, you know, not be able to operate in full capacity. Now, she's an awesome leader, guys. I tell you, I, I would not have done what she did. Yeah, that's right. I don't know how my wife does it, but even under extreme pressure, she still hears the Lord and can calm someone and rebuke him at the same time. I'm serious. She said, she told, she told Celeste, you're just panicking. Now settle down. And she did. And, you know, um, it, was, it was actually a decision that her husband, Graham, and, and her had to make. And pastor was there saying, Graham, it's your call. Your wife doesn't want to make the call. And, and, and Graham made it clear to pastor and Celeste. He said, pastor, I want her not to go, but to wait a few more days and, and let's see what the Lord will do. And the Lord did a miracle. All right? Now, on top of that... Celeste was one of four people who I would call relatively critically ill. One of our brothers couldn't even drink water without vomiting. So Nate gets on, I've got to let, give honour to Nate, and he, and he tells our brother there in Sydney, when, when this is happening, it's not actually your stomach that's the problem, it's your brain. Your brain is telling your stomach something's going on in your body that needs to come out of you. And so he, he told them to get some kind of liquid that would help the brain to get the signal not to keep making the stomach cramp up and vomit. So, and then we gave our brother about an hour or so of deliverance and we commanded that whatever waste that the body was trying to get rid of come through the, the rear end instead of the mouth and the kidneys. So, and and that's, a, that's the way the body excretes toxins, all right? Through the mouth, through the, through the uh, urinary tract or through the rectum. And so after deliverance and, and settling him down, he was able to at least take Gatorade 
and rehydrate. And we got some medication to him, and within one day, he's, he's already eating, sitting up, drinking liquids. God was gracious. I tell you, my family, my wife and my son, they're onto it. They can discern, right? Now, we had, everybody knows Kemi, our sister Kemi. She was also struggling. But again, after prayer, we had, I think, um, Vanessa helping Kim. And we had some of the Sydney guys. I, I don't remember all the details, but Kemi was also getting prayer. Nate and I helped with Doug and getting him delivered. Uh, 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 Kim, Kim Ahipov was getting Vanessa and, and Debbie. And who else, Don? Shania, thank you, that's right. And this is all done by video link because the, the saints in Sydney were too ill to visit each other, so they had to do it via video link, and, and we did it through a video link as well. So my house has been running literally the last week 24-7. And in the midst of that, yesterday, while we're finishing our ministry with Celeste, Amy... Jason Hunt's wife, who hasn't had a seizure in 30 years, she has two in the same day. And I'm literally sitting next to my wife while she's on the video to Celeste and helping her through her crisis. And then Kim calls me and says, Pastor, Amy's just had a seizure. I went, what? What else could go wrong? You shouldn't say that. But anyway, God was gracious. And again, we, we got on the, on the phone with some of the elders there, Mike and Di and Kim and Vic, and we got a hold of Jason and, and Amy, and she was just coming out of that, you know, the seizure and becoming very conscious. And so we gave her some prayer, and that was good. And as I was, as I was going to sleep that night, now this is about six hours later, about 4 a.m., this is last night. Um, uh, Kim rang me again and said she had another seizure. And so I'm sorry to say this, but as I was calling Mike and Di and, uh, and her husband, they told me they would call me back uh, to make a video link and we were going to give us some deliverance. But I didn't get a call back and I, I fell asleep on the phone. Like, you know, the phone was going you know, So we heard back from them that they collectively had a prayer meeting for her she was too weak and too tired to get deliverance, so we didn't want to do that. And so they prayed for Amy. And so we got over that. And then right in the middle of that, Nanny Marg had fallen over and had remained, you know, in the position where she fell for a few hours. I'm not sure how many hours it was, but she didn't have her emergency um, necklace on and so it took a few hours for people to uh, realize that she wasn't answering the phone and so forth and then within a few hours her daughter was able to get down there and 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 literally help her because she had she had fallen and it's 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 come to light that she possibly had a heart attack which called the caused the fall and um and so they uh, were told that they needed to get her to hospital. And that was the whole scenario leading to uh, Nanny Marg um, passing away. Now, Pastor Rob's going to um, 
share a video. We did a we did um, a video link this morning with with Pastor Robin, and she expressed her heart to all these things that have been happening, right? And I'm I'm learning how to get in touch with being sensitive and emotional because we've been taught to be not hyper but heightened emotion, and and so I think. I need my wife to express that. I'm not going to talk on her behalf. But uh, Margaret McMahon, Nanny Marg, was a mother to my wife and a grandmother to my two children. And I say that because um, Dr. Robin's mother, personally, I was there when she died, but I never knew her. I never had a conversation with her. The first time I met her was when she was dying in the hospital. But Ken, um, Robin's first husband, knew her very well. He was very close to her. And the, and the children knew her very well. She was a big part of their lives. And that, that was a big hit. But from the time that uh, Dr. Robin lost her mother, it was about 1983. It was the year that I was born again and, and, and spirit-filled and going to the house church, which was in Dr. Robin's um, garage in Sydney and that's when I was introduced to Nanny Marg and now she had a relationship with Pastor Robin before I did because um, she looked to Nanny Marg as a mother figure and she's always been that way with 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 Dr. Robin and um, I mean she knew us before we were married she knew Ken very well and she has remained faithful. She was a part of what we had back then. Every Thursday evening, we'd have what we call a prophet's meeting. All those who were called into prophetic, uh, the prophetic ministry would meet every Thursday night and we'd do prayer and we'd do strategizing. And Margaret was there as a visionary. She would get visions from the Lord and then have interpretations which we would use to either confirm or, or reject what the Lord was showing us, all right? And that was very, very vital part of Margaret's input towards us back then, all right? So I'll leave the rest with the video. What we want to do now is they're, they're asking me to do the, the video after the word. So we'll do the word next, and then we'll honor Nanny Marg at the end. So just let me grab my iPad here. And my water supply. Oh, thanks, brother. And as I said during worship, the next few weeks you'll probably hear a lot of stories about Margaret's input to our lives as, as people, personally, and also as a minister of the gospel alongside us. Uh, Margaret uh, travelled to Malaysia with us twice and uh, she was an integral part of the team. In fact, Nathan showed me a photo of um, the group that went to Malaysia. Uh, we visited an orphanage in a city called Seremban and Margaret was there with about 20 or so orphans and it brought back so many good memories. She had a heart for young people. You know, and uh, for her to be able to bring a smile on kids without 
families was a big, big plus for her. And she always loved to see Christy and Nathan perform when we went to Malaysia because they would do dance um, shows and presentations and plays. She loved it. And obviously she, like I said during the worship, second to um, Pastor Robin, uh, Margaret in, really encouraged the kids to pursue their, their gifts as far as the arts was concerned. All right? So hallelujah. Um, I'm preaching about a topic that I'm going through and the family's going through tonight. And I believe it'll encourage you and also challenge you as my messages often do. Not making an excuse for that. Pull out your Bibles. I hope you've got a Bible in your hand, whether it's electronic or hardcover or hard copy. Pull out your Bible. It's, uh, it's becoming more of an unusual event that Christians bring Bibles to church. Isn't that sad? That's your constitution. And you should have a copy of it in your car and in your office at home. Amen? And you should study it. It's your legal document for your, for your legislative power in heaven. Come on. All right. Today's word is entitled, Faith and Its Contradictions. Faith. And its contradictions. Walking by faith sometimes goes contrary to what we are believing for. And unbeknown to us, God in his wisdom, his infinite wisdom, has a way of drawing out of us his character and his, his personality by sometimes getting us to walk in such a manner that it looks like God is contradicting himself and us. And I can't find a better example than in 1 Kings chapter 17. And it's the introduction of the ministry of Elijah the Tishbite. If you didn't know this, my... My first good car was a Mazda 323 wagon, station wagon. And I called it the Tishbite. I had a, I had a sign on the side, the Tishbite. I had Wayne Jerome, Susie, Susie's husband, painted on the side of my car, the Tishbite. And, you know, I'd go through Parramatta City and people would go, Tishbite, what the heaven is that? probably a disease or something. There's a city in Israel called Tishbe. And Elijah was from Tishbe. And that's why he was called Elijah the Tishbite. And so his introduction is really, really, what's the word? Abridged. <laughs> it's short. Verse 1, as the Lord God of Israel lives... Before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, except at my word. And so right off the bat, 
As soon as the word of the Lord was given, the heavens were shut up and the headwaters of each stream or river began to dry up. No one was affected by this word initially, but as soon as the banks of these waterways began to shrink, people began to be anxious. Now think about the prophetic process. Elijah is introduced, the scripture says, and Elijah the Tishbite, right, spoke the word from the Lord and he said, it's not going to rain or you're not going to have dew on the ground except by me saying so. That's how he introduced his ministry to King Ahab. Great introduction, eh? But what happens is he's, he's spoken that word and... Like other prophetic words, it hasn't fully taken effect yet because even though God now has stopped the clouds from raining, there's still enough water in the rivers and in the lakes and in the streams. No one's really worried because they're not immediately affected. Do you get it? But as soon as the rain didn't come for a month, and then two months, and then three months, and the banks of each river became smaller and smaller and smaller. There were a lot of worried people in Israel. And it got so bad that every river and every stream was dried up. Now people are desperate. But in the beginning, uh, he's just a crazy prophet. Sure, 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 it's not going to rain. And I'm sure they did this with Noah. It's going to rain and it ain't going to stop for 40 days. Do you want to come into my boat? Free entry. That's all they had to do, get in the boat. We're told he was a preacher of righteousness. He didn't just build boats. He preached. Free tickets. He had a ticket stall right outside the, the door of the ark. Free entry. You just got to receive Jesus before you come in. Hallelujah. Anyway, I want you to picture this. The rivers, the Jordan, the brooks, the little ponds and lakes, even the wells that were sourced from mountain melt, they were all okay for months before people realised the supply of water is shrinking. Now everybody wants to know where Elijah is. The word of the Lord came to Elijah, verse 3. Get away from here, turn eastward and hide by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. And it shall be that you shall drink from the brook and I've commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and stayed by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. The, the word Cherith means cut off. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. And it happened after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain 
in the land. Now Elijah had just been introduced in such an unusual way and he delivers such a powerful and challenging word to the king of the nation. But then he's commanded to hide in a remote area beside a brook. The Lord did not want Elijah by whatever threats or accolades that awaited him as a super prophet to be affected by those threats or accolades. He took his prophet off the scene immediately. Initially, no one really cared about Elijah. But now that the brooks and the rivers were drying up, Ahab put a hit on him. Because back then they believed if you kill the prophet who gave the word, the word wouldn't come to pass. But God tells Elijah, go to the brook Cherith, which, which feeds into the Jordan. And then he says, I've commanded the ravens to give you bread and meat and you can drink from the brook. Elijah's religious standards were immediately challenged by God. He had to get meat and bread from the beak of an unclean scavenging bird. Faith is so contradictory. God sends him to this brook and then God feeds him through the beak of an unclean bird. They, they weren't supposed to touch scavenger birds. Think about this. Ravens aren't exactly going to the local butcher shop and buying fresh meat. They usually scavenge meat that's been on the ground for a while. Now, I don't know whether it was fresh killed meat. It could have been something that a lion or a bear had left and it was still fresh. But nevertheless, it was ripped flesh. It wasn't cut at the butcher shop. It was unclean flesh. But what made it clean? God said, I'm supplying it. Remember Peter when Peter was being fed camels and donkeys and all of this unclean stuff and he said, no, Lord. And the Lord said, don't call unclean what I'm giving you. I've made it clean. So the fact that God is giving Elijah the meat from the raven makes the meat clean. But how many times has God asked us to fulfill prophetic words but through the medium of unclean vessels? Can God use my boss? Yes. Can God use my unsaved family? Yes. Can God use that drunk on the street to deal with my piety and my religion? Yes. Preaching to myself. He had no meat and bread from, sorry, he had to eat meat and bread from the scavenging bird. Spiritual food can sometimes come from the vessels that we are repulsed by. Spiritual food can come to us sometimes by things we repulse. I remember Jesus when the leper who normally is repulsive to a rabbi, he said, Lord, 
If you are willing, you can make me clean. To tell you, Jesus was a really, 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 really good guy. Because most of us, think about it, don't come near me, you crazy Pentecostal. I've got here, God help, because I knew it hit me when I wrote this. Do not call unclean what God has cleansed. And how is it cleansed? By the Word of God. If God is feeding you, don't expect to be always fed with a silver spoon. Have you heard that one lately? We're too used to having the right of being fed with comfortable spiritual input. I'm preaching to myself. Comfortability is sometimes the worst enemy of your soul. Ravens collected rotting meat and stale bread. Faith and its contradictions. Isn't this crazy? Can we see how... Elijah's own word is affecting Elijah. In fact, it's affecting Elijah more than anyone at this moment. He's getting fed really smelly meat. And he's the prophet who prophesied the word. I would have been there saying, come on, God, I I did the prophesying. Give me the food. Give me the manna from heaven. Remember, in, in the wilderness, they received manna in the morning. Men are in the evening, men are in the summertime. (laughs) And even the brook that he was drinking from and was quenching his thirst dried up. Now, between the time that the brook dried up and the next word from word from the Lord, we're not told how long that is. Put yourself in Elijah's position. You had to wait for these blackbirds to come in the morning. Now, I don't know how they dropped the meat down. Did he have a table set up? Or did he just sit outside his tent or under the tree he was living under? I don't know. But he's, so, he's watching the brook that's feeding into the Jordan getting narrower and narrower and narrower until finally... There's no more water in the brook. So what does he do now? He can't do anything. He's waiting on the word of the Lord. Was it another week before the Lord spoke? Another day? We're not told. But he had to do it by faith. If he ran out of water and food, he might have had to fast for for seven days or so before he got his next meal because his next meal was going to take him to Sidon, which is 100 miles away. Let's look, let's keep going. After the while I've got here, the brook dried up. God's way is to reach is to reach us to keep, sorry, to teach us to keep coming back to him so that there is ultimately no permanency until the eternal ages begin. In other words, the Lord is never going to give you the whole answer until the Lord comes. You're always going to have something drying up. Can I be truthful? This applies to so many things 
that we know God has provided. God has provided them, but he hasn't provided them eternally. The bank account is drying up and you're sitting watching it as it shrinks. The relationship is drying up and there's nothing you can do about it because you're the one who stopped the water flowing. So many things that we could apply this to. Yeah? John the Baptist had his popularity diminished when Jesus came along. His popularity was dried up. Am I talking to somebody? Everything on earth eventually dries up, guys. Everything on earth eventually dries up. Because he doesn't want us earth bound, he wants us heaven bound, right? God lets them dry so that we look to him and not to the brook. If any man thirst, Jesus said, let him come unto me. And the waters that I give him will be a fountain bubbling over into everlasting life. Guys, sometimes Jesus is the last fountain you go to drink from. Whatever fountain you're drinking from is going to eventually dry up. Unless the Holy Spirit is that fountain. All of these contradictions were because Elijah delivered one word from the Lord. He was adversely affected by his own revelation, but he was willing to endure the hardships that aligned with the word for the ultimate goal of getting God's purposes fulfilled. Now, this is where we really need to strengthen our faith. Not only is God going to fulfill his prophetic word to us, but if we have to see the fulfillment of that word by us personally feeling the pain required to have God's purpose done on the earth, are we willing to pay that price? Elijah was, and that's why God calls him one of the best prophets of the Old Testament. Elijah was willing to eat rotten meat and go into hiding on the word of the Lord to make sure God's word was fulfilled. And what does God say next? Look at what the Lord does. Faith and its contradictions. Prophesy a drought, but I'm going to let you feel every minute of you being thirsty and hungry. And you're not going to like the meal I'm providing, Elijah. Mate, I'd be complaining. The word of the Lord came to him a second time saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I've commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Please bring me a little water in your cup that I might drink. Remember, he's just travelled a hundred or so miles. And I don't know if he had a wineskin full of water or he just fasted and she was going to get it and, and he called to her and he said please also bring me a morsel a morsel of bread in your hand so she said as the lord your god lives now guys i don't know how this widow knew that it was elijah the prophet but she she answers him by saying as the lord your god lives 
So she straight away discerned he was a man of God, right? I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And, and look, I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. So she was on the last leg of her material provisions, yeah? And Elijah said to her, do not fear, go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me and afterward make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah, and she and her household ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. So again, going back to the word of the Lord, directing him to Zarephath. God did not tell Elijah the next move until the brook dried up. He didn't go up to Elijah and say, by the way, Elijah, you're going to spend a couple of weeks here, a couple of months. And then after that, you're going to go to Zarephath. I've got it all planned out, Elijah. No! Elijah saw the brook dry up and was, I believe was going, well, what's next? Where do I get water now, Lord? So the Lord, we don't know how long it was between when the brook dried and the word of the Lord, but the Lord said, pack up camp and go to Sidon. Sidon is where Jezebel was from. She was the daughter of the king of Sidon. So God's asking him now, okay, I'm not going to get you to eat unclean food from an unclean bird, but go to an unclean country and city and live there. And get fed by a widow who's a Gentile. And what happens? He doesn't walk into the city of Zarephath and, you know, he puts out an advertisement. Is there a nice wealthy widow here who has called, who God has commanded to give me a, a room in her house and some food and some water? How in heaven did Elijah know this widow collecting sticks was the one? He didn't until he delivered the word of the Lord. How did he know she was the one? When he asked her for bread, he was, he was fishing. When he asked her for bread and water, when she responded, as the Lord your God lives, ding, this is the one. God told her, I'm sending a man to you. But he didn't tell her anything else. Because when Elijah said, give me the bread and give me the water, she went, oh, I'm, I'm only doing this for me and my son. And then when he tested her again and said, just do it for me first, and then he prophesied, God put faith in the widow's heart to believe Elijah's word and they got provided for whatever remainder of that three and a half year period was still, you know, hadn't turned over. Could have been a year, 
could have been two years. We don't know how long it was. But he knew she was the one because she said, as the Lord your God lives. Now me, I would have been that guy who would have went in there, well, who's the wealthy widow that's going to provide me with food? This lady with the sticks and the raggedy-taggedy clothes on? Oh, did I say something wrong? You know what I'm saying? She was, And you know why I know that she was the one? Because Jesus said when he was rebuking the Pharisees, there were a thousand widows in Israel when Elijah was around, but God only sent Elijah to a Syrophoenician, a non-Israelite, and they wanted to stone Jesus. They knew what he was saying. There was not one widow with faith in Israel. God had to go outside of Israel to find this Sidonian woman who had faith. And she put Elijah before her and her son. That's faith. But can you see the contradiction of faith? God says, I've commanded a widow to feed you. Oh, that sounds great. I'm waiting for that meal. I'm going to go to a house and there's going to be a meal on the table. No, you have to prophesy a miracle. Faith and its contradictions. I've commanded her to feed you, but the way it's lived out is I'm going to prophesy that if you give me food first, then your jar and your bin will never run out until rain comes. So his whole future was now pivoting on the widow's faith. Talk about being vulnerable. But can you see faith's contradictions? I've commanded her, but you have to prophesy. And she has to believe before the miracle starts. Oh my God, what a vulnerability. True? Faith seems so contradictory sometimes. What's God doing? He's really, really humbling Elijah. And this woman becomes such a big blessing. You know, later on he raises her son. But Elijah began to absorb some of the culture that produced Jezebel. He lived among the Sidonians for a good while. And at the right time he went and presented himself to Ahab again when the rain was going to, sorry, the drought was going to break and the rain was going to come. And even there are times when the Lord wants you to understand how your enemies think. Because he wants you to be a vessel of grace to the people you least think are savable. Do you you get me? He didn't come for good people and well people. He came for sin sick people like you and I were once. Can you understand you and I were once sick with sin and he had grace on us? I've had to learn this one. I used to think God saw something good in me and that's why he saved me. No. God saw how ugly we are and still saved us, still died for us. 
You got real friends when they see your ugly side and they still stick by you. It's a good wife and a good husband will do that. Because they see the ugly side, believe me. Nanny Nanny Marg saw my ugly side early on, big time. God, I thank God for her. So God did not reveal to Elijah how he was going to supply his needs until the brook dried up. We do not know what time elapsed between the last drink and the word of the Lord for the next step. We complain when God does not reveal the next moves until we have fully accomplished his last word. The water must dry before God reveals the next supply. I'm telling you, I've seen my bank account go from full to empty. Now I'm really walking by faith because I've got no security. When you've got no security, you look up. And um, I've gone ahead of myself. My note says here, God now tells his prophet to go to a heathen city where he has commanded a widow, but when he arrives, the widow was seemingly had no revelation at all that he, she was to feed him. We went through this. You know, when he said to her, give me some food, it's not like she said, well, yeah, you know, I know you're the guy. I had a conversation with Jesus last night and he told me you were going to visit. That's not what happened. All she knows is he's a godly man. That's it. Faith and its contradictions. I'll tell you, we live this every day. Um, She's had no revelation. Elijah, uh, when he arrives, uh, sorry, does not go around for a widow who has a pantry full of food. (laughs) No, he somehow has been led to this widow. She is hopelessly preparing for her and her son's last meal. Faith and its contradictions demands that we participate in the Word every step of the way. We participate in the Word every step of the way. Elijah had to participate by faith in this miracle he needed. And so did the widow. I'll tell you, there there is occasion for insecurity right here. When you look at this old, old lady... And you know that she is the connection to your completion. Some, some wild imagination start coming up in your head. Sometimes God brings into the equation people who we think are weak or contrary or even antagonistically against us, but they are his predestined vessels. Amen? And boy, when I go home tonight, I'm going to cry because I have to live this word. And I'm just asking the Lord for grace. And I got here just as a side note. Jesus confirms that this was God's widow because she was the one chosen above any other widow in Israel. Faith and its contradictions. And so Elijah's instructions seem far-fetched But indeed, God had planted faith in the widow's heart that as she obeyed the word of the Lord, she got her miracle and Elijah got his. 
I only went as far as that because, you know, Elijah eventually opened up the heavens and he became like a, a really revered prophet at the showdown at Mount Carmel. But God took him through a step-by-step walk to build strength and character in Elijah. He had to obey God step-by-step, step, as I said last week. Now, one example of, of, of that happening in our lives recently is we, um, we began to look for uh, somewhere else to live immediately because we didn't want to leave it to the last minute. And we, by the grace of God, we found a place that we really liked and we, we thought we, you know, we knew we could um, afford to pay the little bit extra that the Lord was requiring and all of our scripture readings lined up with it and we went, we went and had a look at this house which we really liked. The agent was very, very much positive about our, our application and he told us there was no other um, applications in. And then after exchanging all the information that he required us of, four days after our application went in, he suddenly says there's two other offers and they're stronger than yours. And right up until this point, we, we felt like we were being led by God and we were because it's not over yet. But we, I struggled with the fact that someone could come along and do something that we thought God had us sort of secured in and literally pull it out from under us because of something small like money. In the kingdom, money is not a big deal. We, we need it. But I said to the Lord, I'll be honest with you, I said, Lord, are you going to let this degenerate into who's got the most money? I said, where does the kingdom dynamic kick in here? Faith. And it's contradictions. I can't answer that question because God hasn't shown me yet. But his character is not in question. I don't know what he's doing. Elijah didn't know what he was doing. The widow didn't know what God was doing. Do you get this? It's many times we don't know what God is doing. That seems to be normal in the kingdom of God. Until we do know what God is doing and then he quickly aligns our hearts and our minds and our emotions with it and then we flow along with it. But I want to encourage you, as I said last week, you're no better than Elijah. God, like with Elijah, wants you to go step by step. And there are times when your brook will dry up. There are times when vessels that you don't like, God will be using to feed, to cleanse or to redirect you. Are you hearing me? God used King Cyrus to rebuild the second temple. A non-Jewish king paid for the temple. The Jews of today would go, no, 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 no. We only use Jewish money to build the temple of God. Hello? What made Cyrus's money clean? God's word. Cyrus said, the God of heaven has put it upon my heart to rebuild his house in Jerusalem. Anyone who has that on their heart, hands up, away you go. And will be paid by the treasury of the king. And from whatever tax that I collect from the area, that'll be used for the house of God. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Can't you see something here? Jesus sat with tax collectors and sinners, and he was judged for it. Now, how God does it in you is personally unique to you. But you've got widows, you've got brooks, and you've got ravens that God will use to get you aligned with his heart and his will. And it doesn't always happen this way, but this is sometimes the way God does it. Yeah? Jesus went to places that the disciples didn't think were good enough. And he helped people that his disciples thought were unhelpable. But he showed them a new way. Jesus trusted the Father with every step. Even falsely accused, beaten to a pulp, and then crucified on a tree. He knew God was doing something for the whole world. And at the naked eye, like the disciples, we would have looked at that and thought, where is God in all of this? And yet, it was prophesied. He explained it to them many times before it happened. You know, when you, when you go back through your prophecies and you realize there are aspects that, and words that God had said that didn't get your attention at the time, but now you're in your situation, they have your full attention. How come I didn't pick up on this before? Isn't he a good God? I can tell you honestly, Nanny Marg had so much contradiction in her life. Her husband was not a believer until the very end. Hard man. He barely talked. And raising a thalidomide child and two other children alone because he wasn't really there helping her. He was really consumed by his work and by his Masonic Lodge commitment. And this is not to talk Bob down because at the end he, I believe he put faith in Jesus, but she's, she's had a hard life. I can remember many times Pastor ministering healing to men when it got really hard and she'd come to our house and weep. She didn't know what to do about her husband. And that hardness somehow affected all of the kids adversely. But she hung on in faith. She had so much pleasure in knowing that Dr. Robin and Christy and Nathan especially welcomed her as their own because she didn't get that in her own house. Her daughter Sue, very much so. But the other siblings and the husband, no. They especially ostracised her because of her Christianity. I mean, we had her other daughter on the Video Connect 
when she was passing, and that was awkward, but God allowed it for her sake, not ours. But it's just, just a testimony of strength for her to endure that, plus raising her daughter the way she was. And she did such a marvelous job with Sue. Sue is a lovely woman. And I must say, she's done such a marvelous job with my children, Nathan and Christy. Between Pastor Robin and Margaret, they are really gentle kids. I know sometimes their emotions get the better of them, but who doesn't? I, I could use a little bit more of that. Okay? So in saying that, that's probably a good note to bring the video if, if we're okay with that. Where are you, team? Are we ready to put the, uh, the address that Dr. Robin had this morning up? Faith and its contradictions. Sometimes God commands us to do something and then He does all these things that seem like they're contradicting what He's told us to do. But they're not. They're not. We just don't get the picture like He does. God is a God that shows emotion. But can I tell you, He's not moved by hyper-emotion. I, I, I was reading last night because I, I wanted to study a little bit of how Joshua's relationship was with the Lord. And that time when they were de defeated in front of Ai, they lost 30 men. And so Joshua runs to the Ark of the Covenant in the tent of meeting and he goes, Lord, Israel is running away from its enemies. Why didn't you keep us on the east side of the Jordan? Rather than us running before our enemies. And the Lord's response is incredible. What are you doing on the floor? Get up. There's sin in Israel. There's sin in the camp. Israel has a possession of the accursed thing. And Joshua's probably thinking, what? See, he didn't seek the Lord. Now, even though God allowed Joshua to cry and complain, and what are you doing, God? His response is, get up. You should know this. When, when, um, when Samuel was weeping over Saul, he's there weeping and saying, Lord, can't you preserve Saul's kingship? And the Lord says, how long will you weep for Saul, seeing I have rejected him? Get up, fill your horn with oil, and go to Bethlehem, I've commanded one of his, the sons of Jesse to take over the kingship. You can have emotion, but until that emotion is rooted in the Holy Spirit, you're not going to have God agree with you too much. I've experienced this. How long are you going to keep complaining, Tony, and whinging? Stop the whinging, get on with growing up. That's not being hard, that's being loving. Yeah? So let's, let's take that before the Lord. The walk of faith is crazy. I, I'm sorry, that's the only word I can describe. Because we're walking in a spiritual realm in a physical reality and they contradict each other almost 24-7, if not for the grace of God. 
Father, we want to thank you tonight because we've seen examples of faithfulness in our church. We thank you for Margaret McMahon, Lord, Nanny Marg. Thank you, Lord, for Dr. Robin, who I don't know how she does it. So many contrary things in her life. And she keeps going forward. We ask for the grace to overcome when things are going contrary to what we're walking by faith in and what we believe you have shown us. When the brook dries up, help us not to panic. When the ravens feed us unclean food, help us not to complain. When you're commanding a miracle at the hands of someone else, help us to participate in it so that you're glorified. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your grace tonight, Lord. You are a good, good God. And we thank you for Margaret's life. And it gives us hope and joy to know that she's with you right now. In Jesus' name, amen. So um, the team is going to show you Dr. Robin's address this morning. It's very, very important. Thank you. Tim, can you help me with this?
in church because we're really, both myself and Nate are really going through it. Nate was going through it, guys, because when you're prophetic, sometimes it costs you.
when God asked me to let it go, it wasn't easy. And then he said to me, if you let it go, there'll be no more pain and no more tears. And that's why there wasn't, well done now, good and faithful servant. That's not what he said. I will cause no more tears and no more pain. There will be no more tears. There'll be no more pain. And when you love somebody, I said, yes, Lord. And he made such a way for me to be in that room miraculously and Nathan came to me and he said mom I had a dream when I was asleep just a little while ago and I said what happened Nate he said I dreamt you were standing up talking to Nanny Mark what were the words Nate asking her do you want to you want to go home, Mark? And she said, yes, Rob, I want to go home. I don't want to be in any pain. Did you hear that? Yeah. They said nice and loud. Uh, I saw Mum and Nan talking and uh, she was asking, and do you want to go home, Mark? And Nan said, yes, yes Rob, I don't want to be in any more pain. But that's when he talked to me in the bathroom and said to me, will you let her go? There'll be no more pain, there'll be no more tears. So I let it go. And it was hard. So I had to be in that room at the hospital to say, let go, Margie, go home. And that time, at that moment, went home. Now, I'm not going to be there because my own personal grief, you know? But if you think for one minute, God's going to stop you from living. I, I need to say this. But I have never worked so hard in the kingdom of God, but this week, I was grieving my mum. Australia went down with COVID to church. We had one girl who had not had a, a fit in 30 years, had two of them. In 30 years, she just, and then we had another one faint in the bathroom. Then we had another one who was going crazy because she felt she was dying with not breathing. And we, I had to sit all night with these people. I haven't even had a chance to grieve. Not their fault, not their fault. And another one, the man that came to the Baptized in the Holy Spirit of the following week was mighty for life. So it's been one hectic week. One hectic week, guys. 
that's all I want, guys. So I would say to you from the Lord, because boy, do I hear it. I would say to you, you're going to have, when you're going through a wilderness, you will still live. You can't stop living. You can't shut down and feel sorry for yourself. I have never, never been so busy. I've had about, I'd say, eight hours sleep in the last five days. I don't want you to feel sorry for me. I want you to see. Yes, it's been like a wilderness for me, or like not a wilderness, maybe Job's trial. I don't know, trial. But I couldn't shut down. God still wanted me to be in your life, to be in Sydney's life, to be in my children's life. So can I encourage you with something right now? You can't shut down either. So I hope that encourages you. I hope it does. And now I want you to carry the burden with all me. If I've carried the burden for you, please. Carry it for me. Homes there, I've even, if you men, I prayed and prayed for you to get your flat. That's right. That was part of my prayer for the boys. God did the rest. He definitely gave me the best. Come on. So, organized prayer we have babies coming in in May and our lease is up in May do you get what I'm saying and I just think that God must think I can carry this is possibly showing me I made a better stuff than I thought I was Maybe you'd see some of your trials that way. So maybe the challenge is you just don't know how much you can take. Only the Lord does. It's not to hurt, but it's to show you how much you've grown. Get what I'm saying? Yeah. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I have been fighting that evil parasite in my people in Australia, and they're coming through. Amen. Between delivering them and praying for them and sitting and crying while they cried all night. I've done that. 
And it's our one take on our birthday. And please help us to carry it. Because yeah. I know the church can move mountains. Because yeah. it moved COVID out of our lungs. Yeah. Now on Friday, I'm possibly going to have, you want to tell me what time that was? She said about 10.30. Yeah, time, right? Bedtime in the morning. Uh, that's, uh, that's what, uh, Friday. Friday night. Thursday night, our time, at about, um, 6.30 p.m. Okay, it's about, that would be Thursday night, our time. It will probably be around 6 or something. But we, they've asked us to please... Susie's asked us to please take a service. Not sure how it's going to work, but I know each person that wants to be a part of it can be a part of it. We are going to be doing something on their Thursday. Or our Thursday. Our Thursday, their Friday. So we will have uh, whatever the Lord likes. I'm going to have a little service for her. And you're most welcome to be a part of it. And why am I making such a big deal? Because this lady helped. Whatever you're experiencing, she's one of the core members of Sydney that brought us to America. Would it be possible? So I want you to know that. And she had a light and a half, guys. Her husband was a mason and in the Illuminati. And she made it. She went to heaven. So there's nothing can stop you not going to heaven. Nothing. All odds were against her, but she made it. So can I encourage you, if you're going through a wilderness, keep living. But the aim of the devil is to stop you from living. I hope that helped, guys. I really do. I think the break, guys. I won't be there tonight. Nate won't be there either, Jen. He needs the time. Please, take your time. He needs the time. We all do. We all do. Thank you for your prayers. And please, if you can get your prayers going for our accommodation, we have nine people and a pregnant woman. I trust God he'll come through, but you can help be a part of that blessing, I pray. Yes. 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 Yes.
became a 15-year tradition. There are so many memories, too many to even mention. Every milestone of my life, if you were there with your beautiful smile, loving words, and warm hugs, your hugs were everything. From teaching me how to drive, to play the piano in a room, and read music. Every page you were in those paragraphs. You drove me to practices, gymnastics lessons. We went on missions together. Whatever it was, you always made sure that we had your presence when we needed it the most. Thank you for introducing your love of the arts to me and giving me the passion and drive for God's creativity. It was our special bond, something that you and I shared, and it will always be engraved in my heart. Thank you for being the best listener. No matter what was going on, you always listened and never judged. You were just there to listen and comfort. Thank you for loving mum and helping her to know her worth as a daughter. I can remember you would always say, it's okay, Rob, when she needed to hear it the most. Thank you for paving the way for generations and generations to come with your faithfulness to say, yes, Lord, your simple obedience and faith have carried on the wings of the Spirit across seas so that many lives that you have touched without even knowing. I know that this last time seeing you was going to be the final time we got to be together. And it breaks my heart that I couldn't be there to give you one more hug. However, I know where you are. You are now in his arms, resting and at peace. You didn't leave the earth a victim, but a victor and in total triumph. I know that heaven has been rejoicing because they gained a one-of-a-kind lady. So for now, it's very hard, but it's not goodbye. It's just seeing you soon. Keep pushing for us up there to run the race as you did. I know I can hear the Father saying, well done, my good and faithful servant. Now, now entering to my rest, your great-grandchildren, Karen, Levi, and Ziki, are so happy to have had you a part of their lives, especially your business and their laughter. I love you with all of my heart and soul, and I will forever. But now, until we see each other on the other side, say hello to the crew, and famous Uncle Wong, Sammy and Aaron. Love you. Your name. So, I would love to have you all there at the tribute if you want to come. I would love you to come because whatever's you're getting from me or from talk, this lady was part of it. So thank you. Thank you so much, Talk. Now take this other one on with me, please, for me, so that I can grieve. Do that for me, please, so that I can grieve. We all are grieving in this house. Natalie's doing her grieving. Yeah, Natalie was close. Debbie was close. Everyone was close. Debbie, because she loved many Mark. So I'm just going to say thank you. Thanks for taking this on and fighting with me until the Lord said no more fighting. And she did not go out a victim. That's right. She went out in victory.
if you want to stand, I'll stand with you or clap with you and we'll clap and honor the Lord for what he did. Hallelujah. Pastor, can we thank lift up you, a word of... Thank we, you for giving me this time. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to... It's Take your time and as much as you want. We Can we lift up the word right now? Can we lift up a word of prayer for you now? You, you can do it's whatever good. you choose to do, but yep. I will leave it with you. I trust you completely. Yep. Well, Lord, uh, just really quick, Lord, we, we, we thank you for the testimony, Lord. Even though it is sad, it is absolutely a testimony. Lord, we know that we're looking upon, as Pastor said, a wilderness. It's also a shaking. And Lord, we just right now, we ask that you give this. Make the time. We'd really appreciate it. So that gives us a whole week to plan ahead. So the time, the time and date have been adjusted Monday, January 31st at 7 p.m. Okay? So we'll have a memorial here at the church. Pastor and family will be here. Tim, do you want to come and lead us again and pray, son? There's going to be a few times where we'll share with you some of the things that really made Nen special. One that comes to mind to me immediately is uh, we were planning on on planting a church in a city called Kiama, which is about two and a half hour drive from Sydney south. And uh, Margaret and I and about seven others would hop in two or three cars and we would drive for two and a half hours early in the morning to do a morning service in Kiama. And then we'd drive back, you know, about 5 or 6 p.m. for the evening service in Sydney. And we did that for about three years. And she was our only musician at the time because we didn't have a band to take down with us. Like I said earlier, she was a concert pianist, so she she prayed, she played and prayed professionally. Um, what a sacrifice! One one afternoon, she was returning in her car, which was driven by one of our men. He fell asleep on the wheel, crossed the median strip, and drove it into a pole in a gas station had written the whole car off this was an expensive skyline a Nissan skyline and Marg was so gracious like she just didn't make him feel condemned didn't put any guilt on him just worked it out with her insurance company and somehow she was able to get like three quarters of the car's value back to buy another car. And then about two years later, the car that she bought, uh, Pastor Rob and her and a few others from church went to see Joyce Meyer at the Sydney Opera House. And, you know, Dr. Robin really depends on these heat packs. And we had, we had some um, buckwheat, um, heat packs. You heat them up, you put them on your body and they last for a good half an hour. Well, pastor had a heat pack that they heated before they left the house but because they weren't moving it around, it must have ignited inside because it was a little too hot because they didn't move the, the buckwheat around. 
So while they were at Joyce Meyer getting all of this great teaching, Margaret's car caught fire and burnt totally to the ground. They walked out of the conference to a fire brigade dousing her car. And you know what? She, she was so gracious. Oh, it was just a car. And she could have made anyone from our family feel guilty because we left the, you know, the, um, the heat pack in the car. And because all the windows were shut, because the, the heat inside of the car got hot so quickly, it exploded. The windows got blown out. It smoked, 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 and then boom, it just ignited in a big fireball. Oh, I can tell you some stories, mate. What a gracious and generous woman she was. All right? So, again, thank you, Father, for Nanny Margie. Hallelujah. All right. So, yeah, Pastor, um, do you want to do this in a similar format? Are we, are we going to close the worship meeting and we're going to convert this? Do we want to have a buffer time or should we get right into it? Gotcha. All right. So look, this is a wonderful opportunity to uh, lift up a word for any of the things that you heard. There's a whole buffet of stuff to pray about. And uh, you are now aware of the housing situation. So, I mean, look, pastor's being very humble about it. She doesn't want anyone to feel bad. But, but look, it's a real tight squeeze. Everything Pastor Tony taught about, about the life of Elijah is now applying in a very real, real sense. But that's, excuse me? Oh, is live stream over yet? Okay. We're going to end live stream. Bye. I don't know. Can, can you, hi, hi, Liz. Oh, okay. I'll do Hallelujah. So if you have tarried with us this long, you, you now see the, uh, the life of Jesus is an extremely dynamic life that involves salvation from sin. It is the only ticket to eternal life. Any other way that claims to lead you to eternal life is a counterfeit. I know that's not politically correct, but I don't care because Jesus is and has been the only way to eternal life. Uh, so you've seen it. You've had a glimpse of what the heavenly life looks like. It involves a lot of love. It sometimes involves tears, but it's a huge payoff because um, the joy that we feel in Christ begins now. I've always said this. It begins now and it continues forever. If this is something you are discerning God is calling you to embrace now, now Christ before You've, or you've only known him in a religious sense, we're going to pray with you. So a prayer is going to come up on your screen, and we're going to pray it now. And uh, you can pray this along with me in your heart if this is your time. So, Father God, I ask you to forgive me all of my sins and wash me clean with the blood of Jesus Christ. I believe Jesus died for my sins and rose again to give me life with you. Lord Jesus, come live in my heart and fill me with your spirit. Let me have true communion with you 
that is not based on performance or religion, but total intimacy. I believe in you, Jesus, and thank you that I am saved. In Jesus' name, amen. And they say, this is the hymn known as Blessed Assurance. You know that you know that you know that you are saved. This is the key, and it's not because you're a great person. It's because he's a great God. And you build your life around that. And that's why I love that sentence. I thank you that I am saved, not I think that I am saved. So it's his, it's his goodness. So anyway, enough on that. We love the Lord, and we are going to move into um, the Lord's great calling in all Christians' lives, which is prayer. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm checking out the scene, Pastor. We're going to move right into it. We had a good session with the morning service this morning, and I think what we'll do is we're going we're gonna to start the prayer, and then we're going to open up the floor to anyone who wants to pray. Uh, this, this, this meeting will use the microphone, if that's okay, if the members can use the mics. Um, not everyone's going to get a chance to pray from the stage. That's okay, because there's going to be lots of opportunities to pray between now and, well, when things happen, the 31st or... Whenever, yeah, the 31st certainly from, for Nanny Marg, but also as we continue on carrying the burden for the, um, the, build, the uh, apartment. So uh, stay tuned for how we're going to strategize that. As many of you know, we do have a daily SWAT meeting. So we have a precedent for daily prayer at this church. So just stay tuned on how we're going to, uh, you know, work in um, these, uh, this next season of prayer for pastors. Thank the Lord that he's done such a work in Christy and Brooke. He's answered every prayer. Come on. And that's a testament to the commitment of prayer. So let's not run away from whatever the next thing God has. All right. So all right. So um, I'll open up and then I think we're just going to open the floor for whoever. Oh, okay. Yes. Thank you. Now I can say goodbye to you online people. And for those of you in the New York area, come, come on down. Come and visit us. You, there's nothing like being in person. God bless you and thank you. We sincerely appreciate your joining us for worship here at Torque New York. If this is your first time accepting Jesus... We would love for you to get in touch with us so we can walk alongside you in taking your next steps in faith. There is so much that God wants to do in your life to show his goodness and love and our team is ready and willing to connect you and partner with you on your journey. Visit torque.org contact to speak to someone today. It is our joy to partner with you and see Jesus become real, relevant, and relational in every part of your life. Thanks for listening to the talk message of the week. We hope you were encouraged by this and stirred to make this more than just words, but a reality. If you have been impacted by what was shared, why not go ahead and share it with someone who you know needs to hear it? You can get the latest episodes of this podcast by subscribing via Spotify, Apple, or your talk app. 
Need to rewatch this message again? Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel or check out talktv.org for more amazing content. We thank you for your generous support and prayers. And if you would like to contribute to our ministry, please visit talk.org forward slash give. From all of our leaders and team, we love you, are praying for you, and believing for your every step to be aligned with Him and His Spirit this week. Until we see you next time, God bless.